This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. It's on its way! There it goes! And the Yankees are going to win! just the most positive fan around like my my optimism should have the Yankees considering getting cheerleaders for the top of the dugout like I would definitely apply for that I feel like my optimism alone would maybe even boost the morale of the team and give them an additional five wins my war would be five I'd have a five war I'm just, I'm so optimistic. <laughs> you know, I have a, I, I took the, um, and I'm officially doing this. All right. Cause I've said it before and I, and I didn't follow through, but I, I am going to follow through this time. I decided that I am going to suspend myself from the platform they call Facebook, where I don't even think anybody uses that shit besides boomers and, and me. I guess I have a few people following me there, but I'm going to officially suspend myself from Facebook for, uh, for one week. All right. So I will be back on there Saturday, um, or Sunday, because as I'm recording today is Sunday, June 26th. So not allowed back on there until Sunday of next week which I believe is the 4th of July weekend. Listen, man, I get into it. All right. And like I've said before, my heat of the moment, Facebook posts, which used to be tweets until I deleted my old Twitter. Um, it's just heat of the moment shit. It's just me being a prisoner of the moment. And it's just, it's literally an avenue for me to vent. So if you see any of my tweets during the game, tight games, specifically games where the Yankees are maybe not doing well. Blowouts that are not in the Yankee favor. Well, we don't get those often, but if you see my Facebook posts during a game that's not going the Yankees way, and it's, you know, it's probably me saying some outlandish, stupid, over-the-top, irrational shit. Just know that's heat of the moment stuff. There's two per- there's two personalities of me. There's the heat of the moment RJ, and there's the rational RJ where he calms down after a series, after a game, and he has his actual legitimate thoughts, my based thoughts. And that's what we share on this show 99% of the time. All right. So if you are here and you're one that does follow me on Facebook, stick around for this one because this is probably going to be a lot different than what you see me post on social media. I actually did make a Twitter again a few months back. I did it for work reasons. I need to reach out for, to people for work to get quotes and stuff for articles, but I kept it around. And today I was so angry. I made my first tweet. I don't think I'm going to end up using that though. I don't like Twitter. I don't use that but um, I, I have officially suspended myself from Facebook. <laughs> what a series. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome, everybody. Episode 385 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening to episode 385 of BD4, where there's no better way 
to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now too. Yankees every series, Knicks every game, MMA on weekends. Probably have an MMA episode out um, either before, maybe after. Either a preview or a recap to the upcoming UFC 276 card, which is on um, International Fight Weekend this weekend. Next weekend. So welcome to the show. If you are new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe if you like the show. You can subscribe to the show on the many platforms we're on. Download these episodes too. This way you can listen to them on the go and not use your data. I learned the hard way once with a podcast I listened to. Um, you know, of course, give us a five-star rating and review if you like the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We're currently a five-star podcast and would like to keep it that way. You can also listen to us on the many other listening platforms such as Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, and many others. And you can watch the video format of the podcast if you want to watch the video feed. You can find that on Spotify and YouTube. And of course, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, as I mentioned, at r.j.carbone, where I bitch and moan, like a 55-year-old man. And I'm also on Instagram, I'm pretty active there, at rjcarbone, or I'm sorry, um, at robjcarbone. On Instagram, at robjcarbone. And guys... If you like to read, you can visit ultimatesportsnetworks.com and search the Bomber Bocker blog and subscribe. And be sure that when you are subscribing to the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, you do so using promo code 6A2841 ERJC. This way, you get a discount 20% off your subscription. And 10% off all merch. I write Yankees and Knicks content on the Bomber Bocker blog. It's often blocked. Or like the servers are often down. So I haven't been very active in recent months. But you'll see an occasional article or two. I'm trying to get on as, as often as I can. But the servers are really down often. I don't know what's going on. I gotta reach out to the CEO. Alright. Let's... let's 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 talk about this series that I uh boy did I go through a range of emotions in this one. I mean I might need to see a psychologist, a therapist, something. I've never felt so many different emotions in such a short span. Not just on a game to game basis, but during some of these games, inning to inning. At bat to at bat even I mean shit. For example, how about the inning where the Yankees came back and they were about to win it? Um, Who was it? Somebody gets on base. Glaber gets on. It looks promising. He's in scoring position with one out. IKF bunts him over. Is that who it was? And then Glaber, you know, hurts himself and he gets caught in the middle of third at home because his ankle got hurt and that was a third out he was tagged. I mean, it was just the range of emotions and it was shit like that. All series long. So let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Um, yeah, I, I you know I figured I let's summarize this, the uh, the series. You know, recap these games, and then we'll get our real thoughts in there. Somewhere in the midst and after. All right, because we got a lot to say. It was a four game set, and boy. <laughs> Boy, 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 boy. Was that something? I mean, first of all, this this is this could very well be your American League Championship Series preview. The New York Yankees and the Houston Astros might produce some amazing baseball to watch this October. So long as these two teams stay healthy and go the way they're going, we we might see some even better games than we've seen between the two in the past. Because these were classics themselves, these four games. You had no hitters, you had a couple walk-offs, you had a tight ball game in game two with Verlander going toe-to-toe against Garrett Cole. I mean, no, it was Severino. 
I mean, you had some really, really, really good pitching performances. Really, really good timely hits. The whole, the whole, there was, there were no blowouts. Each game was a nail biter. Even the, even the no hitter game was a, was a nail biter. It, it was amazing. And you are going to see these two teams meet again, no doubt, in October. Uh, as, again, as long as they stay healthy and keep doing their thing. This is in the, the Yankees, the Bronx Yankee Stadium was absolutely electric. Wow. Listen, the stadium has been packed all year. It, it is electric again, post-COVID. Fans are back. It's packed every night, 35K. I mean, it's it's looking like Yankee Stadium again. And it was... I wasn't there, okay? But I you could hear on TV, just you can hear the extra... Ah, it was just... The volume was just a, a few ticks up. And I had... You know, I knew people who went to the games... A couple of my friends, a couple of relatives went to different games of this series, and they told me it was playoff atmosphere. And it felt like the playoffs, watching these games. I was on the edge of my seat. I was, again, I was so into it, so emotional. So let's talk about it, get to our first break, and we'll get right into these uh, these games. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 385 of BD4. Let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, this was a series. Yankees at home, four games set against Houston. Um, Four game series is so tough to remember, so I'm going to be reading a bit off my notes more than usual. But uh, in game one, which was Thursday, Jesus, feels like weeks ago, Thursday night, uh, I was actually at work for the start of this game, but the Yankees ended up pulling it out, 7-6, Tyone versus Valdez, and so I'm getting notifications right off the bat. I'm listening to it, but it's like lagging. And it's in my pocket. So I just I close the app and I'm just getting notifications instead. Top of the first, I see Bregman hits a three-run bomb. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're going to lose this game. Three-nothing already off the bat. That's terrible vibes. Bottom of the first, it's Giancarlo Stanton tying the game with a three-run bomb himself off Valdez. Tie game 3-3 after one. Top of the third, here we go again. This time, it's Jordan Alvarez, and boy, is he a beast. That kid can hit, and I would love to have a player like him in Yankee Stadium. We got one in Judge from the right side of the plate, of course, but man, as Yankees fans, we love to be greedy. We love to get every star out there. He looked good in the uniform, in the pinstripe uniform. He gets the three-run bomb off Tyone in the, in the top of the third, makes it 6-3. Tyone, terrible performance. We'll get to that a little bit. Bottom of the ninth, though, is, of course, when the Yankees top it off. Um, you had the the, the Hicks three-run home run. Going to get to it. Going to get to the judge. He hits you know, his walk-off, walk-off base hit. The Yankees win it 7-6. Seven, seven runs on six hits, two extra base hits there. Six walks, ten strikeouts, three for four, hitting with runners in scoring position. Aaron Hicks... We all give him shit. We've we've been giving him shit all season long. Rightly so. 
He's been terrible for the majority of the year. He's turned it on in June, but the numbers are so bad that it doesn't feel like it, even though he has turned it on in June. Then he gets the big at-bat here. Nobody's expecting him to come through. Everybody's, again, despite the good June, no one's expecting Aaron Hicks to hit a clutch home run. And there it is. You get the, the magical miracle swing by Aaron Hicks. Shoots the shit out of this one. Pulls it. Pulls it to right field. And that hit gave him immunity. It gave Aaron Hicks immunity for the rest of the series. I figured I'd lay off him the rest of the series. And I did. I think that was his only hit. Um, but boy, was it one. I mean, he styled the sh- he styled the shit out of that home run. The head bob, the nonchalant point to the sky, talking to himself. Oh, it was. It, if you haven't seen the highlight, I don't know why you're even watching this podcast. You you probably seen the highlight. That was amazing. It was the, it was probably the moment of the season. It was definitely the game of the year for me. Um, but that was probably the the moment of the season. It's. The Rizzo home run was pretty cool, but that was that that you know, given the circumstances, the situation. This is the first game against Houston. We were down all game. They outplayed us. That was definitely, in my opinion, the moment of this season. We and we've had plenty of moments. Ten walk offs. Jose Trevino's had some magical moments. We've had some moments, but that was one that just I was I was impressed. I was very impressed. You could see Hicks sitting off speed the entire at-bat, but he got the fastball, and you could see him adjust mid-pitch. So he didn't get a sign from a buzzer. He didn't have to hear the trash cans being banged. No, Aaron Hicks adjusted mid-pitch, Astros fans, and he was able to figure it out that way. (laughs) And then, boom, he hits the home run. So Presley, who was on the mound, pulls a Ken Giles. He didn't punch himself, but he pulls a Ken Giles in that he choked hard. Big moment for Hicks. Aaron Judge, of course, he gets the walk-off single. Can't forget that. He had two hits in the game. You could see Ryan Stanek pitching to him was just terrified. He was afraid to go fastball, so instead, every pitch of the at-bat, all four pitches, he went splitter. And... Gives him the splitter for the fourth uh, fourth pitch of the AB. Judge gets it. There you go. The Yankees win. Good game. Good game. Good game. Anthony Rizzo. There's a memorable moment from Rizzo. An amazing 16-pitch walk. 16-pitch walk. They didn't score for him in that inning, but that 16-pitch walk, in my opinion, did kind of wake up the Yankee bats, and I think they scored in the previous inning. In the following inning, I think that was right before the Hicks swing, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't too late. It might have been one, maybe two innings before. But an incredible 16-pitch at-bat. Draws the walk. Just everything that Rizzo embodies was in that at-bat right there. Just the professional hitter, cliche, yes, but it's very true when it comes to Anthony Rizzo. Some nice defense. Gallo playing a good right field. That asshole Tucker making a good play in this one. Tyone was bad. Um, I mean, he was so bad, there's not much to talk about bad. Like, 5.2 innings pitch, so at least he gave them distance. But 5.2 innings pitched, 10 hits allowed, uh, 6 runs, no walks. They were just hits instead. Um, 3 strikeouts, 2 home runs allowed, 90 pitches. A lot of hard hits, too. A lot of hard hit balls that were hit and out. He was, he was I mean, he was absolutely horrendous. Very non-competitive, just a, a dud's dud. And after that, honestly, I don't know how much I can trust him in big games. I have to see him pitch against Houston again. Hopefully he does. We'll see. I'm not sure who's going Thursday. The bullpen. 
um, was was the opposite of Tyone. Litke, Abreu, and Castro were nails. They were as sharp as nails. Abreu had some command issues, but that was it. They, they all, they, each of them pitched shutout frames, and the Yankees won the game. Uh, tremendous seven to six final score. Let's get to the second game of the set. Why don't we? All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. Yeah, this was a good one. Uh, well, it was a good pitching performance, but the Yankees ended up losing uh, the second game on Friday, three to one. Severino going up against Verlander. There's not much from this game. Uh, top of the six was the first score. Another, another three-run home run. Uh, this was off the bat of Tucker, of course, for the Astros. Makes it 3 nothing after uh, five and a half. Bottom of the sixth, Stanton answering back again. A solo home run makes it 3-1. to one. And that'd be it. The Yankees couldn't score from there. They lose 3-1. to one. Um, I mean, it, again, not much. Verlander was just classic Verlander. Uh, shutting down the Yankees as he always does. Seven innings pitched, four hits, one run. It was so annoying because I had a five-pick parlay on this game, and I hit four out of five. Um, I might have even hit, I think it was like five out of six even. But the one pick, the one leg that did not cash was Verlander's strikeouts. You'd think he'd, he'd get that. And it wasn't even a lot. I picked a very moderate, conservative four strikeouts for JV. He gets three. And I'm like, are you shitting me? He dominates the Yankees, but he only gets three strikeouts. <laughs> but uh, as, as a fan of the Yankees in this game, it was it was the one game of the series that I was okay losing because we never hit Verlander, and Verlander's not going to pitch every single game against the Yankees in the playoffs. So I was... Not fine with it, but like not as mad this game than I was any of the other uh, three games. Um, And yeah, offensively, the bats did zero. DJ had a couple hits to leave the team, but uh, I think the only other Yankees with hits were Stanton, Glaber, and Donaldson. One hit apiece. Uh, Higashioka played in this one behind the plate. Should not have. Um, he went over Hicks, makes a good catch in this game. And Severino, he pitched well. Six innings, three runs, uh, three extra base hits against him, two doubles and a homer. That was the damage right there. The home run was the only true damage. Outside that, he looked very good. He had seven strikeouts. He pitched good, and he's been pitching very solid for the Yankees all year. He's pitching exactly like Severino did pre-injury. That's a huge sign. So that was that was game two. Um, and if game two, there wasn't much to talk about, there's certainly not going to be a lot to talk about for the third game of this set. I mean, I, this, this was... Uh, at least we got to witness a no-hitter on our end last season. But now we know what it's like to, to get no-hit. I mean, this was the no-hitter game. The Yankees drop it 3 nothing. Cole versus Javier. Christian Javier. I believe the kid's name was. And before I bashed the Yankee lineup, this good good for this kid. He deserved... He didn't deserve it. I mean, he deserved it, but I don't know. That's not what I was going to say. He, um... No, I guess he deserved it. He pitched really good. Uh, I mean, it was frustrating, though, because this kid was throwing nothing but fastballs right down the dick all game long. And we couldn't do anything with it. 13 strikeouts, no runs at all. A couple walks in there, that was it. He threw a no-hitter for seven innings, and then they had two other other guys um, combined for the eighth and ninth. We do not need to speak on this too long. I mean, it was bad. Um, listen, like the no-hitter thing, the combined no-hitter thing, I don't find it impressive. It as impressive as a no-hitter, 
But from the losing end of it, it doesn't matter. I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at the Yankees failing to hit the little white ball. Right? They had zero in the age category. So, (laughs) everything about this game was shit. Uh, DJ did not start. IKF did not start. Marwin was in there. I guess Boom wanted the matchup, but like both of them had to sit. DJ was coming off a two-hit game. But Garrett Cole, he was the best pitcher this entire series for the Yankees. He, I mean, one of the best for both teams. He was great. And Garrett Cole, from his outing there, gets the featured starting pitcher slot of the series. And Game 3 goes 7 innings, 1 run. 8 strikeouts, a couple of walks, 4 hits, uh, 3 singles and a home run, and 106 total pitches. He is now allowed 1 run or less in 5 of his last 6 starts. So, he was matching Javier with the no-hitter for a while. But it was just that one solo home run. The home run, the the mistake pitch. It feels like he's due to make one mistake pitch a game. A lot of the time that turns into, into a home run, which sucks. But in the end, a dominant seven innings, one run outing. You needed that badly from him, right? You saw a great, encouraging, strong outing against the Rays. But the Astros, you got to step it up even further. And he did. So I'm a lot closer now. His ERA is in the twos again. It's back under three. I'm a lot closer to buying back in on Cole after this. I, I I'm fine with him now. I, I'm I'm okay. Um, that that rough outing. Who was it when he got pitched around by like? Was it the Twins? That got him onto my shit list for a bit, but he's responded nice since, and he's been very good. For the majority of the season, after you know the, the the rough start was very bad, but after that, he's been pretty nails. Um, but he was dominant for a while in this game, and it's not going to get talked about enough, unfortunately, because it came in a game where the Yankees were no hit. So that guy's going to get the praise, rightly so. But yeah, I I had no problem with Garrett Cole. This was a good game from him. And I think that's all we need to speak on on the, on the third game of the set. <laughs> it was just, it was bad. And it looked like it was going to be another no-hitter for the fourth game of the set, didn't it? Jesus Christ. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the fourth game of the set, which took place Sunday afternoon, today, as I'm recording. And the Yankees won 6-3. to three. Nestor Cortez going up against Jose Urquidy. Jose Urquidy. Top of the first inning. Jose Altuve. Jumps first pitch. Smacks a solo home run. Right in the midst of the, uh, I don't know if it was F. Altuve or Jeers or Booze. Right in the midst of all that, one nothing Astros, he rounds the paces. Gosh. And I have no, by the way, like I know a lot of people do, and Kay mentions it, and, and people hate how the Yankees, like, when the Yankee fans are booing Altuve and jeering him. Why? Why Like, why are you getting offended at that? Yeah, of course they're going to. Of course they're going to. Do you want them to clap for him? They're not going to do nothing when he's up. They're, they're, of course, he's the best player. He's a Yankee killer. Right? And he's on one of their bigger rivals now. Do you expect anything but booze? Like, that's going to happen. That's how it works in sports. You boo the guy who kills you. They don't boo nobodies. And Jose's not a nobody. Jose's a guy who's killed them. And, of course, the whole cheating scandal's in there. They're going to boo Jose Altuve. He's one of the few left on the team from that scandal. Of course he's going to get booed. I don't know why people are getting offended by it now. Even Yankees fans. Like, that's going to happen. That should happen. I would too. Now, yeah, he feeds off it, but I'm not going to say if they don't boo him, he's going to strike out every time. Like, they're going to boo him. That's how it works. We're Yankees fans. We're New Yorkers. We're angry. We hate him. That's how it works in any sports league. Any, 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 that's how it works with any rivalry. I just spit. 
He hits the home run. The Astros are up one nothing, and here we go again. Top of the fourth. That was like the killer. This was got. This really got me ranting on Facebook. Um, the Astros in the top of the fourth inning. They rally. They get two more to come across off Nestor. Yeah, the blue pit by Dubon to score. It's three nothing Astros in the top of the fourth, and we're like, are we really about to drop three out of four? Cortez ends up going five. But this is where the Yankees score six unanswered runs. Bottom of the seventh. Who but Giancarlo Stanton with a big home run ends up being big uh, to end the Yankees' 16-inning hitless stretch, too. They were getting no hit up until this point. Again, bottom of the seventh. That is disgustingly bad. But Stanton ends that, shoots it to center field. It's 3-1, to one, Houston. Bottom of the eighth. The biggest hit. Of the series, arguably, since the Hicks hit. Because without this, the Yankees don't come back and they lose three out of four. DJ LeMayu pulls the leaving shit out of a hanging cement mixer slider. Ties the game. Three to three. And then, of course, we go to extras. King does his job. Bottom of the 10th, though. Aaron Judge. The walk-off three-run home run to left center field. 6-3, to three, the Yankees win. Crowd's going nuts. Judge and Spike Lee interact. Oh, man. So the uh, the offense, after scoring nothing and, and getting no hit again for almost seven innings, find a way to pull six runs out of their ass. Four hits, three of them were home runs. Seven walks. One double play hit into nine strikeouts, one for four in scoring position. They found a way to score six more runs despite not hitting well. We always talk about it, folks. That's the sign of a good team. They're not on. They still drop six on you. <laughs> the pitcher they faced was not a great pitcher. The starter. He's like up there in like amongst the worst in opposing slugging percentage and batting average against. Um, Cortez was better than him, uh, was, was better than last time out, but he still wasn't great. Five innings, three runs, five hits, two walks. Uh, yeah, I mean, the mistake to Altuve right down the pipe with the fastball to start off the game, first pitch. Like, everyone knows you don't do that. That's a given. That's like a cardinal sin. But Cortez fed him his 92 mile an hour fastball down the pipe anyway. You know Altuve is a first pitch hitter. He's a fastball hitter. He owns the Yankees. He's always had big home runs against them. That was like going to happen, and he did it anyway, and it happened. He had some good innings after that, but again, five innings, three runs, pretty mediocre. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last time. Is it fatigue? Is it a, you know, just a casual slump? Is it a little bit of regression to the mean? Maybe a bit of all three, you know. He's throwing the cutter a little too much recently. And you're thinking maybe the league is starting to see that. They've seen him as a starter. They've they've gotten a good look at him now as a starter over the last two years. He's had a few starts. He's been around the league. So now he has to readjust to the other opposing lineups, adjusting. I you know, listen, his ERA was all the way down to 1.4, right? 140 at one point. So it, he was he's not gonna pitch that way all season. So maybe this is just him finding his, you know, uh, what do you, what do you, what does uh, K call it? Market correction, right? So we'll see what happens going forward. But again, a, a tough Houston team. Their top six hitters are a, a impossible to get out if you're not on your game, and you still figure out a way to five innings, three runs. And five innings, three runs is like the casual. Bad start for Yankee starters this season, right? Ignore Jameis and Tyone, but like for the most part. So good job by Cortez, just at least keeping the Yankees in the game. Um, and the pen got it got it done again. The pen has been excellent. Their bullpen is is probably better than Houston pen. Houston might be missing one piece in the pen. I want to get to uh, I get I get I had to. I don't do this often, guys. All right, I don't hand this hand, hand this award these awards out like candy. Okay, we usually just do two feature position players of the series and one featured starting pitcher. But it was hard for me to just pick two, so I had instead I had to 
given this was the Ash shows and it was a big series, I gave out three. Three featured position player awards. All right. Um, we'll start in no particular order uh, with Aaron Judge. Judge was incredible. Let's see if I can pull him up here. That's Stan. Whoops. Gave that one away. That's DJ. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Um, Stanton, DJ, and Judge, but we'll start with Judge. Um, Aaron Judge this series in four games. Yeah, he, he was, listen, he was three for 17, all right? He was pitiful statistically, but he had, he had two walk-offs, guys. So he has three of the ten walk-offs this season for the Yankees, and two of them came this series. Okay. That's pretty hard to do. So two singles, a home run in there, four ribbies, four strikeouts, a walk, six total bases. Two walk-off hits is tough to do across the season. You know, a lot of players don't get that. He had two in a span of four games. He now has 28 home runs on the year. The average is a little under 300 now, but we're facing Oakland next, and I don't know if they're good at anything, really. So maybe that goes up. Um... But yeah, Judge just continues to crush it. Uh, the Yankees and Judge finally settled. Uh, they settled in the middle. Remember, it was $17 million arbitration. Was it going to be 21 which is what he wanted initially. The Yankees were 17 They settled at $19 million for this season. Maybe that's a good sign. You know, both sides willing to give a little. So we will see in the offseason how, how that extension thing works out. Or how his free agency works out. But he was—he's been phenomenal this season, and uh, even even just going three for seventeen, it doesn't matter. He hit the two big hits in game one and game four. Continues to crush the off-speed pitches, the slider in particular. It's tougher to get him out on that slider this year. At least right away, he'll foul it off, or if you give him a mistake, a mistake slider, he will uh, do damage with it. So judge. Two more clutch hits, just adding to his total. He's been clutch for the Yankees for the past two seasons now. Last year he was clutch. This year he's been clutch. DJ LeMayhew, I gave him one of the spots. DJ's been, he had a better series. Now himself, three for 12, two singles, a home run, two RBIs, three Ks, four walks, six total bases. So nothing stands out statistically, but DJ Got on base a ton this series. Supported a 438 on base percentage across this series, reaching base 7 of 16 times. Alright, so he was getting on base all throughout the series. Huge home run today. And whenever he pulls the ball, it's a home run, it feels like. He's got a lot of pulled home runs. Of course, he's going to use the porch, but when he pulls it, he usually pulls the living shit out of it. Now, he's still sitting around 260. Uh, again, I, like there's a little bit of hope like that he can return to at least like resembling who he once was and somebody who can bat you, bat you 290 or something. But he maybe needs to swing a little bit more, though. I feel like the walks the walks are there. Again, he walked four times this series. They're, they're up this season. The strikeouts are still very low. So that's a great ratio that's going overlooked still. But, like, the greater DJ from two years ago and three years ago used to jump on some of these fastballs in the zone that he's taken. So maybe be a little more aggressive. I'm kind of just accepting that he's just not going to be who he once was. And maybe he's just this 260 guy now. But, like, it'd be great if he could batch a 290. Find a way to at least resemble what he once was. But DJ had a good series. Clutch hitting, consistently getting on base all throughout this series. Kind of went overlooked. And then, Giancarlo Stanton. Again, the stats will not stand out. 3 for 15, but all three of those hits were home runs. 5 RBIs, 12 uh, twelve total bases, a walk, 7 strikeouts. But he was great. He was clutch. He was clutch. All three home runs this series by Stanton brought the Yankees within 2 runs or less. So those three home runs, they shouldn't be flying under the radar. They shouldn't. 
right? If he doesn't hit that home run in the first game of the set, the Yankees could have very well lied down and died. But this is a different team we've seen this year. They have fight. Stanton hits it, and they're right back in it. Gives them a little bit of hope with the home run in the second game of the set. Right? A late home run brings them within two. It's three to one. Maybe you start something late, which is what you've been doing all year. And then, of course, today, another home run to tie the game. Was it to tie the game? No, that was DJ's hit. But he hits a home run to start the scoring for the Yankees in inning earlier. And here's one. I saw on, uh, I think it was Four Train Savages Instagram. It's a Yankee podcast. They said that in Stanton's last 17 games versus the Houston Astros, he's batting 348 with a 1.178 OPS, 8 homers, and 22 RBIs. That's in 17 games versus the Astros. His last 17. So he kills the Astros. He kills the Red Sox. He has destroyed the Rays in the postseason. That kind of needs to be out there more. We should start, like, I feel like that should be, I feel like the narrative on Stanton is still that he's not very clutch. But he's been pretty clutch when you look at it that way. Like, he's been hitting the teams that we hate, the, the rivals, the important teams that we need to take care of. It's He shows up against them. So that's an encouraging sign. I always knew about the Red Sox, but I didn't know his numbers against the Astros were that good. And if he's 348 after going 3 for 15 in the series, what the hell was he before? So good for him. Good for Stanton. So he gets the final slot there. Featured position player. Michael King was huge um, in the final game of the set, getting out of trouble there. Peralta quietly dominating in high leverage this season. He had a little hiccup there a series ago. But, um, good. Great play uh, by Rizzo in the second inning today. That foul ball pop-up, he makes a great play to get out of it. Rizzo hasn't been getting hits. I don't remember the last time this guy had a hit. Um, He needs a big series next time against Houston. They actually... Again, we play them for one game on Thursday. So, it's in Texas, so. But hopefully he can wake up this week. Oakland, be a little uh, launching pad for him. But again, he had that great 16-pitch AB. Glaber rolled his ankle today. Um, I think it's day-to-day. Uh, Boom was saying in the presser that he's he dodged a bullet. I think he said he dodged a bullet. So he'll probably miss a few games this series against the A's maybe maybe the entire thing but if it's as as little as the Yankees say it is then probably just one or two games but Glaber's been slumping again um you know off balance swings again he's like you could see his momentum pushes him forward after a swing he's running towards the dugout so that just tells you he's pulling off trying to do too much, popping up. When he's off, it's so ugly to watch. It's soft contact. It's quick at-bats. It's very lazy. But when he's on, it's the complete opposite. It's so weird. I will give him credit because his base running has been sharp all season. Steals second today, forces the throw, takes third. I know he got caught there, but that was just him getting hurt. You can't get mad at him for that. But his base running has improved. That was one of his weak spots. His low IQ on the bases was terrible in recent seasons, but he definitely worked on that in the uh, in the winter. You could see. I say a kind of falefa. Um, you know, he had the uh, the bad error there. I mean, he kind of redeemed himself, semi redeeming himself after the big error with the two strike bunt um, to reach base there, or no, it was the sack bunt to push Glaber over, or somebody. I don't remember. Fuck. Yeah, the sack bunt. Um, he punts a 100-mile-an-hour fastball off his finger. Hopefully he's okay. But his defense, yeah. Like, the offense is okay. It's so-so. He'll go on these single streaks. He'll pick up some clutch hits. He's a contact guy. I- I'm fine with the-, the offense for a light hitter. He's a pretty decent hitter, if that makes sense. He can hit the fastball. Breaking ball, not so much. But the, the defense, he has got 
to step it up there. To a point where if this continues, I don't know if he could I don't know if he could be the starting shortstop. Like, do you want him playing shortstop for the Yankees in the playoffs if it started tomorrow? The errors he makes in these high pressure situations are not a good look. And he's gotten remember, he's like he's like paying off the scorekeepers this year because there have been errors ruled as hits for him. And they've been like easy routine plays. There are even like some hits he's had as an offensive player that have been ruled as hits when there are errors. But you can't afford that as a major league shortstop on a team with World Series aspirations. You've got to be better than that. I would like to dig into the numbers and see because I feel like he's been a little better than Glaber at shortstop, but it can't be that far off because Glaber was bad. And IKF hasn't been that much better. I feel like if you look into the metrics, we should do that. We should do that. See, I don't want to pull it up here because I don't want to risk it getting choppy. But we'll save it for another day. Uh, I don't want to jinx anything. But he's he's got to step it up on the in, in these. In, <laughs> let's try to say that again. He's got to step it up at shortstop. Um, Volpe has been hitting well this month, and he had a walk off today. Just saying. If that's too early for him. Do the Yankees dare go with, dare I say, Glaber back at shortstop? That would solve the tight infield rotation. <laughs> but I don't know if you want to risk that again. Or do you platoon? Do you eventually go, I heard somebody say, go Gonzalez versus lefties. But that's it wouldn't be about hitting still. It would just be about getting IKF off shortstop as much as you can, and that being the best spot to. I don't know. I, I just you gotta get. He's got to get better because his defense has not been good. Um, it, it was advertised to be this Gold Glove defense too. It was, and we have not gotten that. The hitting's been as advertised, so so not much, but it's enough to me. If he plays shortstop, but he's not been playing great shortstop. Couple other problems before we talk more positive. A Donaldson is becoming a problem right now. He's down to 226 with the batting average. Uh, the OPS is all the way down to 700 now. So he's on the verge of going into the sixes. His at bats are looking brutal lately. They're always, he's, it always feels like Josh Donaldson is down in the count very quickly. 0 2, 1 2, always in two strike counts. Some first pitch pop ups in there. Like, he doesn't change his approach. He's always swinging not to get cheated, swinging to hit it extremely hard. But it's like you look at guys like Rizzo, look at guys like Aaron Judge, look at guys like DJ LeMayu. They change their approach mid at bat. Should we start platooning Donaldson with Carpenter to go up against the right handed pitchers and Donaldson play against lefties? I don't know the splits with each of them, but maybe that's something you think about. Or do you just have a shorter leash on Donaldson, and after two at-bats, he gets somebody else in there? I don't know, man, but it's it's getting rough with him. Like he's This is a guy who's getting paid, remember, $25 million each of the next two years. And he's producing a two twenty six batting average, 700 OPS. That's not up to par with what, 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 he's, with what he's getting paid. When they signed Donaldson or traded for Donaldson, I was expecting not not the old Donaldson, but I was expecting somewhere around 250, 800. We're not even getting close to that. He's got to be better. We're not paying 25 million for a, a high quality third baseman. That's not worth third, uh, 25 million dollars. He's got to be better than just a solid third baseman. Um, and also, sucking, is uh, Joey Gallo. I mean, Chris Carter. I mean, Joey Gallo. <laughs> Gallo does not start uh, Game 4. And he also sat Game 2 versus Verlander. And that obviously wasn't matchups because Verlander is a right-handed pitcher. Right? But Verlander also throws that high heat. And the Yankees have seen time and time again. We have seen time and time again what happens when Gallo gets a high fastball. He refuses to adjust. 
It's going to give you that bullshit swing. And now it seems like he's starting to get held accountable for it. He's not really an everyday player anymore. Is that a good sign? Is that an indicator that the Yankees are looking to move on for him? We just joked about Chris Carter, but I looked into his at-bats. He was DFA'd after 184 at-bats. Gallo, I think, is up to 179. So it could be any day now. But I think he's on the way out. There's no way Cashman keeps him around all season. Especially if you look down below, which frustrates me even more because you look at Miguel Andujar's numbers. In AAA, he's batting 301 with a 355 on base and 817 OPS. Seven doubles, six home runs in 44 games. So it's like, wow. That's so frustrating because you literally sent him down not long ago. Not long ago, when Stanton returned, you sent down Miggy. And you're deciding to keep Gallo on this friggin' roster. Gallo isn't cutting it. Donaldson is now not cutting it. Hicks, okay, better June. But in the end, I don't think he's going to cut it. So maybe the Yankees realize they made a colossal mistake in sending Miguel Endohar down. And maybe they bring him back up. I don't know. Or maybe they trade him. Like it, we, I don't know. I, I wouldn't prefer riding this out until the deadline. We got to be aggressive, man. Make a deal. Make a trade. Uh, Ian Happ. Andrew Benintendi, like, make a deal. We got to get one of these guys. We cannot sit around on our asses and ride it out the entire rest of the way with Gallo and Hicks. And we can't even, I wouldn't even prefer riding it out until the end of June at the deadline. Like, do it as soon as you can, man. Why not? Don't just wait, because that stuff can change shit. You're getting away with it right now, but how much longer can you get? Why would you push it? Let's talk some more positive. (laughs) Let's talk some positive to wrap it up. Be right back. One more break and and we'll get back. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2. 841-ERJC, $7.99 a month. So, in conclusion, guys, you cannot be mad at that series. Um, Listen, (laughs) the Yankees were outplayed in all four of these games. You can say that. But they found ways. They found ways to win two of them. And and let's remember, they did what I asked. They did exactly what I asked. Literally exactly to a T. So before the Minnesota Twin Series a few weeks back, I said from the Twin Series up until the end of the Astros Series, if the Yankees could somehow find a way to go 14-5, which is almost 750 ball, versus the Twins, Jays, Rays, Cubs, Astros, Cubs don't count, but you know, they're in that stretch. If they can go 14-5 and five from the Twins to the Astros and find a way to split that Astros series, I said all of that, then I would see that as a win and I would buy in. Alright? So I'm buying in. They're special. Alright, I said it. I don't know how much I believe it, but I, I at least I'm saying it to you. I'm a man of my word. I'm going to say it. I, I still want to see them play the Astros a little more. I still have to see how the rest of the series uh between these two play out. But but that's the difference. But I will say that's the difference between this Yankees team and the Yankees team last season. Right? After getting no hit in game three, last season's Yankee team 
dies. They flat out and they lose three out of four, no question. They probably get swept because they don't do what the Yankees did in game one. So that's the difference. And that's why, you know, I don't, yeah, they look special. They're, they're having a magical season. Uh, I'll buy in. I don't know how much I believe it. If I'm saying it just because I have to, I said I would. So I, I listen, they're, they're impressive. All right. Uh, they're very impressive. And, and, and the Astros though, they, they showed the Houston Astros showed that they can play versus this Yankees team. They can play right off the part with them. And, and they reminded us that this is, that this Yankees team is human. That they're not this perfect powerhouse. Right? It kind of reminded me about, uh, I don't know if you guys watch MMA, when Valentina Shevchenko had to fight Santos the other day, the other week. And she, she barely scraped out a victory. Which reminded everybody, maybe Valentina's not this, not this perfect figure who has no flaws. Maybe she does have some flaws. Some, some, some things to work on. So... That's one of the takeaways you should have against the Astros after this Astros series is is that the Yankees aren't perfect. But I think most of us knew that. We knew their flaws. We knew they have trouble hitting good pitching. But I think the big thing this year is their pitching. Their pitching. The Yankees pitching is very good. Their starters are very solid. Right? I don't know that they're going to be all pitching like aces like we've had up to this point, but they're going to be solid it seems like. And their bullpen is lights out. Even without some pieces. So, we, yeah, we need to get better. And like I said, we need to make some legitimate moves here. By the deadline. But yeah, they did a nice job. And the narrative was on the balance, right? Then Their legitimacy was, was on the line there. If they were to drop this final game of the set, the narrative the rest of the way, in my opinion, would have been like not the same. Like that, it wouldn't have felt like this magical season. If they would have dropped three out of four, I would have had this feeling in the back of my mind. Even even they could have swept the next series. They could have won the next five games, six games, seven games, going on another twelve game streak, and I still would have felt like, yeah, but they can't beat the Astros. Yeah, but wait until the playoffs against the Astros because they still can't beat them. They're their kryptonite. They lost three out of four. But instead, the narrative is now, well, the Yankees have shown a lot of fight. They've shown that they can play against the Astros just as well. And they can find a way to win games that they're not even playing well in. Because they have a fight. They have a clutch gene in them this season. So the narrative is now, yeah, the Yankees are right there. The Yankees are legit. And so now you have to see... Um. I am looking forward to the next time these two teams play because they have got, they have a Thursday game in Houston, and then they have a doubleheader after the uh, All Star break in Houston. So uh, it's an interesting way they they put that together because it was supposed to be at the start of the year, but remember the lockout and everything. But yeah, we're gonna see. But it was good that the Yankees were able to kind of not let it get to that point. They split the series, they live another day, and good for them. Going to head to break one final time, get back and wrap it up with the NYYMYK MMA question of the day, as well as our Who Am I segment. Our Who Am I segment. Let's get to break, be right back. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4 
where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, so for this episode 385, our NYYNYK MMA question of the day is a true or false question. Uh, true or false, before 2015, the Yankees had never faced the Houston Astros in a playoff series before. All right, before 2015, the Yankees had never faced the Houston Astros in a playoff series before. Is that true or false? Let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I will give you a shout out in the next episode. If you do not get it correct, but you at least attempt to guess the answer, I'll let you know what the answer is in the next show. So one last time, one final time for the NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day for episode 385. True or false, before 2015, the Yankees had never faced the Houston Astros in a playoff series before. With that said, let's wrap it up with another segment of Who Am I? All right. So who am I? I played in Seattle from 96 to 2000. In Kansas City from 01 to 03. Back to Seattle from 04 to 08. In Philadelphia from 09 to 2011. Played for the Yankees in 2012. Then went back to the Mariners in 2013. And finished my career in 2014 with the Angels and Royals. Alright, so I'm going to give you one minute to figure out who am I. And the counter starts right now. All right, so if you are watching the show, as you can see on the screen, the answer to our Who Am I segment for episode 385, Raul Ibanez, yeah, Raul Ibanez, a blast from the past, played for the Mariners, for the Mariners from 96 to 2000, Royals from 01 to 03, Mariners from 04 to 08, Phillies 09 to 011, Yankees in 2012. Seattle 2013 again, Angels in 2014 as well as the Royals. <laughs> Raul Ibanez was fun, man. Kind of reminds me of Matt Carpenter. Veteran at his end, still some pop left perhaps. Can kind of see Carpenter getting a big hit for the Yankees in a playoff series, not going to lie. Especially at Yankee Stadium. But yeah, the crowd was electric. Good for the Yankees to be able to split this series in. You can now go forward still with the mentality that this team looks special. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and that is it for episode 385. That's all I got, and I will see you in the next one. Thanks for stopping by. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app 
or go to anchor.fm.